You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converged Media. I am your host, as always, Charles Hammaker, here with you. Uh, it is the end of the month of February, which, I'll be honest, we've had a very busy beginning to the year of 2023 for us here at Circling Seattle Sports. Not only us at Circling Seattle Sports, but Converge as well. Um, but the month of February really felt like it sped along. And by the time we get into March, it'll, you know, March will be busy as well. And then you really kick into the spring and summer seasons where we've got a ton of exciting coverage for you for our Mariners, our Storm, our Sounders, uh, our Rain, our uh, Kraken, maybe. Hopefully, uh, they continue through the month of May with playoffs. But with the way that they're currently uh, on track, it doesn't seem like that. Uh, we'll discuss that when we get to their segment. The Sea Wolves season as well. The Sea Dragons uh, continue to push through their uh, season as well. So, about six. Six at least, I believe, will be active. So that'll be a fun and busy time for us. But um, again, really excited for that content and to continue to make that um, as our team seasons continue. So getting into that, uh, we'll push through and get to the Seahawks part of the show first, uh, where we hit the couple extensions here, a couple deals uh, really before free agency hits. Uh, the team signed guard Phil Haynes to a two-year contract extension. Um, Haynes has kind of really just played as a sixth starter for the uh, the Seahawks the last few years, uh, trying to mitigate any potential of an injury for Gabe Jackson. So he, I mean, this, this, this one, this stat really will prove that when I get to this for you. Uh, Jackson uh, played 51% of Seattle's offensive snaps this past year. He only started in three games this past season, but appeared in 15 of them and regularly rotated with Gabe Jackson. So uh, he was set to be a free agent next month. So Seattle locks him up with a one-year deal uh, at about $4 million. That's, you know, technically starter money. Um, but just... I, and I think there was some worry about that. They're like, why, why are we signing this guy who um, isn't a, a bona fide starter to starter money? Uh, I apologize for the voice crack. Uh, and I can understand that. Um, some of the concern there, you know, uh, with this off season, you know, you'd obviously like to add on the defensive side of the ball. You've got the draft coming up. Um, you know where you need to improve basically with the Seahawks team right now. Um but just considering the youth factor in relation to Jackson, I'm wondering if there's any cap inclination here to where Seattle's like, hey, you know, Phil showed us what he can do. We're going to go with him this year um, and maybe kind of go younger, go cheaper uh, than Gabe Jackson. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Um, just because, I mean, that was as close to even uh, nearly as you can get. But 
I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility necessarily. So something to keep an eye on. But uh, I remember last year before the season actually started, I was really excited for Phil Haynes to get more of a shot. And him playing half the season, uh, half the snaps isn't exactly what I expected, but it's a good neutral uh, for what I had hoped for. So interested to see how that plays out. And if he gets that starter role and Jackson is out, or um, if this is just sort of a thing where, uh, they want to continue that situation they've got there at the right guard position. Um, in addition to that move that Seattle made, the team signed uh, fullback linebacker slash comedian Nick Belore to a two-year contract extension. Uh, Nick Belore, who first joined Seattle back in the year of 2019 via free agency, uh, is going to play his 13th season in the NFL uh, when we approach the 2023 calendar year. Uh, and season, I apologize. Um, he is an f- undrafted free agent out of Central Michigan, so he's he's had quite the ride here. He was a Pro Bowl selection as a special teams player in 2020. He's been the special teams captain for Seattle each of the past two seasons and led the Seahawks in special teams tackles the last year with 14 while playing a team-high 75.5% of the special team snaps for the Hawks. And back in 2021, he led the team with special team tackles at 15. Uh, in addition to those playmaking uh, abilities on special teams, he's also been used as a fullback and linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks, even though uh, Seattle doesn't use a fullback as much as they have in, uh, I wouldn't even say recent years, i say past years. Uh, God, the last names that I think of are like Will Tukwafu or uh, – Michael Robinson, um, but uh, I, I'd say comedian, and obviously that comes with the between two Belores interviews with his teammates, uh, as well as kind of quips in the locker room and in press conferences uh, and on Twitter and such. Uh, with Belore helping to lead the way, the Seahawks have been one of the NFL's best special teams performers in recent years, uh, ranking number two overall in Rick Gosselin's annual special teams rankings, uh, which uses where teams finish in 22 statistical categories to determine their ranking. It was the third straight season uh, that the Seahawks have had a top three finish in those said rankings. So this was another new move that... Uh, you know, both these moves made sense uh, to me, you know, with Belore being the versatile player that he is contributing in, in kind of a minimal way on offense. I don't think they've really had to use him as a, as a linebacker very often, uh, but the special teams ability as well and um, wearing the captain C on special teams is, is a pretty notable thing uh, for Belore. So, I mean, it makes sense uh, to have a guy like that on the team, one of the sort of, uh, he's a glue guy. I would say he's a glue guy, not necessarily a glue guy like some of the other players on the roster. Uh, but Belor, I think, has earned that. And to have him back in his 13th season, um, it's pretty solid. And obviously, a lot of people find him pretty comedic um, as well. So now we transition over to our Mariners, who are finally playing games. Um, they are spring training games, and they don't really count for much outside of the development of the team and figuring out some things, uh, but they're fun to look at. So we'll look over at those. Uh, the Mariners over the past week played three games um, down in Arizona. Um, you can see the technically they had the at and away sort of thing, but all of these facilities are close to each other. Um, so it's not like the Mariners are going too far. I think they're all 
relatively short drives uh, between facilities. Beginning on February 24th at the Padres, a 3-1 to one win. Seattle did have a three-run lead at one point, but they had to make things close, and relief pitcher Riley O'Brien was able to come in and lock that game down. Our player of the game is infielder Mike Ford with two hits and two RBIs. A big towering double um, off of the center field wall would score two runs. I believe it was Eugenio Suarez uh, and Teoscar Hernandez uh, who scored in that one. On February 25th versus the LA Angels, Seattle would lose that one 5-1. to one. Our player of the game would be right fielder Cade Marlowe. Marlowe, one hit, one run, one RBI, and two at-bats. He would have the Mariners' first homer uh, of spring training as Marco Gonzalez uh, in his second inning pitched, hit the second inning of the game as well, uh, allowed four runs off of a homer uh, as well as a few base hits. So, um, again, I know there was some backlash with Marco there um, after he allowed those runs. But again, this is something where you'd like to, I imagine that pitchers are pitchers specifically are working on some new things. Like I believe Marco was working on a slider. Um, so, you know, this is, this is something where I'm sure pitchers are working on things and they might not be putting out their best stuff, their best location, all that sort of thing. Um, excuse me. So, uh, February 26th at the Kansas City Royals, an 8-7 to loss, so a really high-scoring game. Seattle was down, uh, I believe, 5 nothing in this one as well, but they were able to claw back to make it 5-5, to and they would eventually fall uh, by that one run. Our player of the game, right fielder Jared Kelnick, two hits, two runs, and three RBIs. Jared, a two-homer game. Uh, I wouldn't say he almost had three, but the last ball was really hard hit. All of... Uh, the at-bats he had in this game, all three hit, all three batted balls uh, hit an exit velocity of over 100 miles an hour. So notable there, uh, something Jared said once he was pulled out of the game, because, you know, and with these spring training games, uh, the Mariners and just about any other team out there, um, they don't really have people out there for the entirety of the game. Uh, something that Kalnick said was that he was happy that he one on all three pitches is what he said. You know, he was able to uh, make the most of those at-bats that he got and not waste any pitches, as I believe it was what he was going for there. So that's exciting to see, you know. Um, well, I mean, I was going to say before I get to my player of the week, but Jared Kelnick is my player of the week uh, for those past three games here. Uh, in those, he only appeared in two games. He had two hits, two runs, and three RBIs in four at-bats. So not too bad, obviously a small sample size over the past week to go over. Um, but then this is where I was going to speak about it. I've been, a, I've been a believer in Jared over the last few years. Um, there's all this talk. It's, it's tough because you can tell that the guy is trying and it's an effort thing. If it wasn't an effort thing, no, you can tell it's not uh, a lack of effort. I apologize. I had to word that better. Um, if it was a lack of effort, then I'd be on the, hey, let's get rid of this guy. This guy, you know, why are we giving him more chances sort of thing? Uh, Kelnick's still young. He's very athletic. He's got some plus outfield play. Um, he's got some solid power as well, obviously. Um, it's just for him. It's just continuing to be uh, obviously mental because there have been multiple times where Jared's come up to the big league level and he's he's rocking or his foot's in a certain place. Uh, just so many swing adjustments and adjustments in the batter's box that seem extra. 
Um, it's obviously just a mental thing that he's in his head about it. So everybody said it, you know, and, and I think even Scott said it, you know, I say everybody and I talk about like parts of the media and the fan base, you know, and usually I kind of disregard that because I don't necessarily believe in what a lot of those certain folks are saying. Um, but Scott said it. So, you know, that just continues to add to it. Cause this is something I do believe that it's all mental. Um, it's just, just slowing the, the game down. I know that the coaching staff and the front office, you know, whether that's Depoto or Hollander or service have all talked about how um, his off season was good. Uh, and they, they continue to like different ways that he's improved his game, but it's all about putting it all together. So um, that's what I'm looking for really is, you know, continuing to take all of these separate pieces of the puzzle and obviously complete the damn thing um, with Jared. So hoping that that's something that we see from him, obviously, sooner rather than later, if you can get that sort of, you can keep his glove in the way that he's been out there and just make him a decent hitter. And that'll be a huge, huge addition uh, in terms of contribution to this lineup. So um, I'm looking forward to Jared's season, and I really do believe that he can be a contributor on this team. But obviously, we're in game now. We're going into game four of 31 in spring training. So there's plenty of time for him to continue to add and improve and work on his game. So you saw it on the bottom there. Uh, we had some injury-related things. Tommy LaStella, um, a few days ago, was reportedly going to be out for a week with some forearm injuries that he was working on. Um, and Teoscar Hernandez missed the game uh, against the Angels. He was originally in the starting lineup, but was pulled uh, hours before, an hour or so before um, with back soreness. And Service thought he might be able to play against the Royals. Um, people are a little concerned they're not seeing Cal Raleigh. Considering uh, the length of spring training, uh, Service has said that they're going to try to rest him a bit. Um, and he should be good to go to catch on the uh, on Tuesday. So expect to see Cal on the 28th there. Uh, outside of that, we don't have any team-related or league news. Uh, I mean, outside of that, and there's been the general response to the pitch clock. Um, I've got two sides to it. I understand the pitch clock and where they're going with it um, and to attract more people um, in terms of slowing the game down. So I understand it. I like being at baseball games for a long, long period of time, not 18 innings uh, in relation to ALDS game three of the past year. Um, but, you know, I get it. I know that there's been a lot of backlash to it. There was the game, I believe it was between Cleveland and Boston, um, where it ended on a, a player not getting into the batter's box fast enough. Uh, that caused some controversy because it was already a controversial thing. And then that happened and it just kind of added lighter fluid to an already burning fire. Um, I'll just say that I understand why they're doing it. Um, some suggestions I've heard are they just make it a little bit longer uh, for those timers. Um but no, that'll be a really interesting storyline throughout throughout the course of the season to see. Please leave a comment and let me know what you think about that. I'd be happy to talk with it as long as you're civil about it. Um, but yeah, I'm really curious to, to watch that as it progresses throughout the course of the season, see what happens with it, see what reactions come up of it, uh, see what incidents 
uh, quote unquote, come up uh, because of the pitch clock. So the Mariners sit in a one and two spring training record. We're not going to keep standings for spring training because it doesn't there's no like playoff or anything. Um, looking ahead for our Mariners, though, uh, a let's see, that's a six game slate over the no, that's a seven game slate over the next seven days for our Mariners. So uh, February 27th at the White Sox, a 12.05 p.m. Pacific time start. February 28th versus Cleveland, a 12.05 p.m. Pacific time start. March 1st at the Chicago Cubs, a 12.05 p.m. Pacific time start. Uh, March, oh wait, we said March 1st. March 2nd versus the San Diego Padres is a 12.10 start. So they're uh, switching it up on us after all those 12.05s. March 3rd at Arizona is a 12.10 start. That game is to be televised on Root Sports. None of the other ones are except that one. Um, even today's game on uh, Monday, by the time you've seen this, is on radio delay. Uh, so when this drops at 4 o'clock, that game is not being put on route, uh, I mean, KJR radio until 7 o'clock p.m., uh, which is a little bit ridiculous. And I'll get the uh, spring training schedule here so you know when these games are and where they're at. Uh, and to, for your viewing pleasure, or listening pleasure rather, uh, but we'll, we'll we'll wrap up here. So March fourth versus the Rockies, as I mentioned, is a televised game at twelve ten, and then March fifth at the Milwaukee Brewers is a twelve ten p.m. start. Um, yes, March fifth at the Brewers. Um, in terms, really quickly, we'll wrap up here before we get to storm. In terms of viewing and listening, sort of things. Um, so obviously, this game today, as I mentioned, radio delay. The 28th is also radio delay until 7 p.m. March 1st versus the Cubs, radio delay. Same with the game against San Diego on the 2nd. The game on Friday, the 3rd at Arizona, is on radio uh, at KJR uh, 710, and it's not delayed, so that's good. Um, the Sunday game against Milwaukee is on normal radio as well. So, yeah, that's kind of unfortunate because we've got the game on the 4th against Colorado that's on TV and then after that, we've got a gap until the 10th that's not on route, um, and that's against the Reds. I know that some of these games are on MLB Network and MLB TV, so if you've got those, try to check in and see when you can watch those. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of root, root and all that. So be sure to follow us also on our socials as well um, because with the games that are not televised by Root Sports, the Mariners um, and Root Sports are providing – uh, us with videos to post that are highlights uh, went out uh, in the first game posted a few of those Perlander Boroa had a few great strikeouts on uh, I believe it was Xander Bogarts and Nelson Cruz um, we put a few others out there once Soto made an error for the Bears to get a run so um, yeah be sure to follow us on Twitter for that we will be putting those out um, when we get them on those days that the games are not televised so that fans can actually see that um, and get that coverage that they're looking for um, of their manners during spring training. So with that, we will now head over to our um, storm. Yes, pardon me. Our storm here who uh, the offseason has been interesting. You know, obviously this is a team that continues to, continues to build right uh, and really establish themselves and look for a new identity without two hall of famers uh in sue bird and brianna stewart um 
So we'll go straight to it. February 20th, the team signed point guard and former draft pick Jade Melbourne. Uh, she was Seattle's third round pick in last year's WNBA draft. Uh, and we're reporting to the team uh, for this upcoming season. Uh, Melbourne turns 21 in August is wow. She's younger than me. Jesus Christ. I, you know, I know a lot of people that are watching this were like, yeah, well, all of these athletes are younger than me. I apologize. All right. This is still weird to me. I digress. Um, Melbourne turns 21 in August, as I mentioned and made a comment about, um, is one of the top young talents from Australia, having played 27 games for her country, including six with the Opals as a 19 year old, uh, where she helped the team to a bronze medal at the 2021 FIBA Asia Cup. Later in that year, she helped the Australia U19 team earn silver at the FIBA U19 World Cup, averaging 12.6 minutes. 3.4 assists and 12.6 points per game uh, over the course of seven games. Uh, she started all 17 games this season with the Canberra Capitals of the WNBL, averaging 13 points per game, 5.7 rebounds per game, and 5.5 assists per game in her third season playing professionally. Uh, on Saturday of last week, she recorded, not this one we're recapping, but the week before that, she recorded just the third triple-double in the WNBL in the past 10 seasons. Uh, let me mark myself with my pen. Oopsie. Um, in the past 10 seasons with 19 points, 14 assists, and 12 rebounds in a tough loss, 78-72 uh, to, uh, to Adelaide, having accounted for 51 of her team's 72 points. It was her third straight game scoring 19-plus points and marked her fourth points assist double-double. Um, last summer, she averaged 20.7 points per game, 8.7 rebounds per game, 4.7 assists per game, and 2.2 steals in 19 games with the Ballard Miners of the NBL1. Uh, this is normally where I would recap that move, but we're going to, we have a few other moves and then we're going to talk about them as a whole. Uh, the team signed point guard Ivana Dushkic. Um, she's a 25 year old point guard, uh, 5'11 from Rijeka, Croatia, and she's in her ninth season of professional basketball, having played her first season with Zagreb in the Croatian league as a 16 year old back in 2013 14. She's in her second season with Virtus Segafredo Bologna of Italy's top division, averaging 13.6 points, 4.4 assists, 4.1 rebounds, and 1.4 steals per game this season. Through her team's run during the uh, current season's EuroLeague regular season, uh, she's averaging 12.2 points, 3.1 assists, and 12 point, I mean 2.7 re uh, rebounds in nine games. If it was 12, that'd be pretty impressive. Uh, she has represented her home country on the international stage since joining the Croatian U16 team back in 2012. She's played 18 games for the senior national team, having averaged 16.2 points, 3.4 assists, 3.2 rebounds, uh, as well as scoring 42 points with eight assists and seven rebounds in two games in this year's FIBA Eurobasket qualifiers. The third and final move that the team made was on February 24th. The team signed forward Jasmine Walker. Uh, Walker was a first-round pick, seventh overall by the Sparks uh, back in 2021 out of Alabama. She appeared in two games with Los Angeles before a knee injury ended her season as a rookie. Walker returned to action in 2022, playing in 32 games while only making one start. 
She is traded to Connecticut back on January 16th as part of a four-player deal, but was waived by the Sun on February 20th. Um, after the 2022 WNBA season, she played for Morovis of the Puerto Rican BSNF League, uh, averaging 16 points and 8.6 rebounds per game while shooting 42.6% from the field across the span of 14. She is also playing with the Athletes Unlimited League in Dallas, where she recorded 7.6 rebounds, two steals, one block, and one assist in 20, uh, 23, almost at 27. Uh, those are two entirely different numbers. Uh, 23 minutes in the first game of the event back on Thursday of the past week. Walker was a standout while at Alabama, recording 21 career double-doubles and was a 2021 Katrina McLean Award finalist, which is awarded the nation's top power forward. She averaged 19.1 points and 19.4 rebounds per game as a senior uh, while shooting 43.7% from the field, leading the Crimson Tide to the second round of the 2021 NCAA tournament. Walker excuse me, also holds the school record for single-game scoring, tallying 41 points on at Auburn uh, back on February 14th of 2021. That was a mouthful. Uh, so it's interesting, this, this crop of three players, right? Because you've got Melbourne, who I expected to see with the team this season after – um, the Storm did the thing they did with Ezzy Magbogor, and they said, hey, we're going to draft you, but we want you to continue your development first before we bring you on the team. And with the loss of Sue Bird uh, to retirement and Brian January to retirement, um, and you're not getting Courtney Vandersloot, the point guard position was, you know, wide, very wide, needed to fill that. Uh, Noelle Quinn said that she, Melbourne has unlimited potential, so obviously they're excited about her. I'm excited about her. Unlimited potential is a big thing, and it's a uh, it's a big standard to set for a 20 year old right now. Um, but I, I I'd really like to see Melbourne play this season, see what she's got, um, see what she can do uh, in the W and with this team that really doesn't have an expectation. You know, uh, with Dodchich, uh 25 year olds not old you know and another you know european player trying to see what she's got um and see how she can uh well she's only on a training camp deal so obviously her window is kind of having to prove things um but i don't i you know looking at stats wise and seeing what she's been able to do uh in her current season i think is solid and i think she might be able to come and contribute walker is like one b of the three, I'm like one A on Melbourne just because of how excited I am to see her play, considering uh, some of the things with her and her being a draft pick. Uh, but with Walker, you look at her career at Alabama there. Obviously, uh, you look at the L.A. situation where she got injured and then she got traded. Um, just like some of the players we talked about earlier in free agency for the Storm, it just seems like Seattle is taking a bunch of flyers on players who have a ton of talent. Uh, were great in college over a few a few years ago, and the teams that drafted them didn't really give them a chance or didn't have a roster spot for them. Um, and now they're going to really be looking to prove themselves and prove any doubt, uh, prove why that decision was wrong for them to not stay on that team. So I'm excited for Walker to be there as well. Um, you know, there are a bunch of players like Garantes, um, Kayla Charles. So, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of that. I really am. Um, 
And again, I, I, I have excitement for this roster and this team. You know, I, I think they can do some things. Obviously, we have to get to training camp first and not get too excited. But I don't know. It's it's interesting. And I just talked about, you know, teams not having roster spots for draft picks. The Storm have three picks in this year's draft. Uh, in the first round, they have the ninth overall selection. The second round, I apologize, that's four picks. I can read, I swear. It's been it's been a long weekend, man. I apologize. It's five in the morning. We're getting this done. Um, because we're gonna have media day today. Um, and I wanted to make that. So um the store have four picks in the WNBA draft. Uh in the first round, the ninth overall pick, in the second, the eighteenth and twenty-first overall picks, and in the third round, the thirty-third overall pick. Uh, the WNBA draft is presented by State Farm. It's going to be held on Monday, April 10th. Um, it will be announced live on ESPN with exclusive coverage beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. It will also be available live on the ESPN app. So four picks. I honestly like not being sarcastic, not trying to make any. Sorry, get Willis back in focus here. There we go. Um, I'm interested to see how many of those four selections actually make the roster uh, and actually get a chance over the course of the season because obviously they could be drafted and then they might not sign, but later on in the season they might be brought on. So I'm really interested to see how many of those four actually make the Storm roster. Oh, I think the trick is I'm not supposed to actually lean that far back. I apologize. This is why we have a studio and why I'm not a director. I sit in front of the camera and look pretty. So um, that's it for our storm segment. We head over to our Sounders who have begun the 2023 MLS regular season uh, doing show show doing so in blowout fashion against the Colorado Rapids. Uh, so a Western Conference opponent to be kicking things off. Uh, February 26th versus the Rapids at Lumen Field, a 4 to nothing victory. Our player of the game forward, Jordan Morris, uh, two goals and a 9.2 match rating. Uh, really nice to see Jordan uh, get that brace there. As I mentioned last week, you know, with our great photographers uh, from these matches and having our, our presence at these matches, I wanted to continue to highlight a photo of the match of the game for the different teams that we cover uh, with the photographers that we have on site. So from that match against Colorado, it isn't Jordan uh, that I wanted to highlight the photo of. It's Hebert. Uh, and Hebert, after he scored his goal, uh, he went over. He had, there was a Brazilian flag out in the front row. You can see uh, the, the folks in the front row touched his head, uh, which is interesting. Our guy Brian Saldana uh, got that shot there. a favorite of mine um but you know i i dealt with that on my own you know with the touching of the head it's not even you know please don't touch bald people's heads unless they're okay with it you know um but no this was a good match this was a really good match to open the season i talked about it in our match recap um of the win you know if Obviously, it's week one. It's week one. It's match number one for the Sounders. Uh, you know, there's a lot for them that they need to continue. Raul Ray Diaz didn't play in this match. Obed Vargas did not play on this match. Um, you know, 
it, it, it's it's the first match, so you can't make any conclusions from it. You can only speculate. Really, I don't like to speculate a lot, but I mean, if we're if this match is any indication of at all how the season's gonna go, um, with the forwards playing like they were, with the midfield playing like they were, with having Jao Paulo back healthy, having Albert Rusnak, uh, Rusnak. I saw the pronunciation guide that our guy James Wallard on Twitter, the PA announcer, got. said Rusnak. Um, so we're going to try to go with that. Um, anyway, but the the maestros that you have in the midfield, the way that the back line looks, Stefan Fry looks solid, got a clean sheet in the first match of the season, only recorded five last season and four the year before. Um, this this team is back, if that's the case. Um ECS had a great TIFO where it was a spin on LL Cool J's song, uh, Mom Said Knock You Out. It had Brian Schmetzer in front of a turntable with a big gold chain that had the Sounders logo as the pendant. Um, and under it, it said, don't call it a comeback. If you've heard the song, it's a lyric in the song. I thank you to my father for making me listen to that music. Uh, so I understood the reference. It was really fun. They actually gave him a chain, too. They represented the one in the TIFO uh, before the match. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if this is the case, if the Sounders are able to get this contribution from their attackers, they best scored. Uh, came on an interesting sort of play, but you see the winger and Morris score twice. Uh, Christian Roldan scored as well. Uh, being able to play with a little bit more freedom since the midfield is, is fully healthy outside of uh, Vargas. Um, and, and, you know, we're able to keep that midfield structured and healthy with Paulo and Rusnak. I mean, Paulo and Rusnak, think about that. Those are two of your midfielders and you've still got young Obed Vargas, um, who, who is not ready yet. Uh, so, and Raul Rui Diaz didn't play, you know, this, this again, don't want to get too over the moon about things, uh, because it is week one in a long season against some great clubs, uh, but again, if this is any indication of where this team is headed, we're looking at another playoff run, simply put. So um, that is it for the match uh, discussion. We do have some injury-related comments. Uh, on the 21st, Raul Roy Diaz worked independently from the group in training and was considered day-to-day. Albert Rusnak rolled his ankle in training and was being assessed, but he quickly joined the squad the next day in training. Uh, Obed Vargas was ruled out officially that day on the 21st against Colorado. He's been unable to train in full for several weeks since he suffered a quad injury. Uh, and then on the 25th at training at Lumen Field, both Vargas and Raul Diaz were training uh, but they were sort of jogging and doing their own separate work on their own uh, away from the rest of the group. So, you know, with Raul being considered day to day, that's solid to see um, with Vargas. I mean, with the uncertainty of that, not really knowing it's a little concerning, but I'd, I'd say the same thing and that it's week one. And that, you know, I, I'm sure he'll be able to contribute at some point this season um, when he's back healthy. So, um all very exciting. I mean, it's it's great to have our Sounders back. Uh, it was tough last year. Obviously, CCL was great, but just to see where the team went from CCL um, was not ideal. Uh, and so to get back to that uh, with largely the same group, 
with some fun storylines coming into it. Um, it's nice. It's really nice. So um, we'll look ahead here. The Sounders' next match is on March 4th versus Real Salt Lake. Seattle sits at a one-win, zero-draw, zero-loss record. They are first in the league uh, and first in the Western Conference. Uh, they will look to keep that up when they host Real Salt Lake at Lumen Field on March 4th with a 7.30 p.m. Pacific time start. That match is strictly on Apple TV uh, MLS, MLS season pass. So you have to have that for the Real Salt Lake match. Uh, for this one against Colorado, you could use your Fox Sports to watch it. Uh, and I believe it was carried locally. Uh, but yes, for this next one, you'll have to have that MLS uh, Apple TV season pass. So uh, we now switch over to our Kraken, who the you know is pretty excited um, in that Sounders uh, that Sounders segment with the Kraken. It's it's been a tough go over the past week uh, for them. So we'll take a look at that here. Excuse me. Uh, beginning on February 20th at the San Jose Sharks, that was a, I believe it was a one o'clock game against San Jose down in San Jose. Uh, Seattle would lose that game four to nothing. They'd get shut out, and it was just an embarrassing effort all around. Martin Jones did not look good in that. His team uh, in front of him did not look good at all either. So it was kind of all around a horrible effort. Um, our play of the game and shutouts, you know, we had a play of the game last week and a shutout this week. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give you that satisfaction. Uh, February 23rd versus the Boston Bruins at home, you know, with the loss to San Jose, uh, with how great that the Bruins have been. Um, and the fact that the Kraken were wearing their reverse retro jerseys made things a little bit scary. It was like everything was stacked against Seattle. Uh, they put up a hell of a fight. They would fall 6-5 to five against Boston, the best team in the NHL. Our player of the game forward, Matty Beneers. Matty, one goal, one assist, two points, three shots, one hit, and two takeaways on night. Uh, and then wrapping it up, February 26th versus the Toronto Maple Leafs at home. Uh, this one at 4.30 on a Sunday. Uh, and the issues with the afternoon games for Seattle continue as Seattle would lose in ugly fashion, five to one. Our player of the game forward, Jared McCann, can, uh, had one assist, a zero plus minus, and two shots. And you say one assist, why not the guy who scored? Vince Dunn scored that goal, uh, but he had a negative two plus minus. So I refuse uh, to reward that. And I try to go with, with players uh, that I guess have more of positive i don't know um we'll go through our photos of the game here for those uh two home games that we had but we have three photos so this one was an easy favorite as soon as our photographer Liv lion sent it to me uh, i wanted to save it for our score recap our score post our final score post or the cover of the article i did use it for the cover of the article even though they lost but it was just too great of a photo to not uh, I mean, look at that. You got Charlie McAvoy in the back, who's obviously not happy. Um, looks like Vince Dunn is about to take his mouthpiece out to celebrate there. You've got Maddie in the foreground, excited. You've got the fans in the background celebrating. Uh, easy, easily one of my favorites that Liv has ever gotten. Um, yeah, big a big favorite of mine. Maddie scored the first goal within the first few minutes. Uh, then it was just a wild shootout. 
throughout the rest of the game. I just wish, you know, we were able to use this on a win. Uh, then the photos from the loss to Toronto. We've got this one uh, I really liked because you've got former Seattle captain Mark Giordano here in the front trying to get in front of Yanni Gord, his ex-teammate uh, with Seattle here who's trying to get net front. Uh, you know, two guys who were part of the leadership group for the crack in there. Giordano actually scored in the game uh, for the Maple Leafs. Unfortunately, it was the first goal of the night for Toronto. And then the second one here by Jaden Schwartz, uh, the cover photo for our article really kind of summarized how the night went, you know, just kind of one of those nights for the Kraken. It was a really tough one. Um, before we get to general discussion, I'll go with my player of the week here. I went with Maddie, uh, just considering the one goal, one assist, two points, three shots, one hit, two takeaways, uh, and five shots that he put up, and the fact that nobody else really kind of, I mean, I don't know. It was nice to see Maddie um, put out that sort of effort and have a much better game against Boston this time around than he did last time when they were in Boston. Um, this is tough. The Kraken are in a really tough spot right now. They've fallen down, as you can see on our banner, to the second wild card spot. Uh, they're only four points ahead of the next closest team, which is Calgary, so another divisional team. Uh, you know, you're now below Edmonton, LA, and Vegas. Um, you, defensively, you continue to make mistakes. You continue to leave guys open in the faceoff circle uh, in your own zone. You're not you, – the backdoor coverage has been horrible. The coverage in general, general has been horrible. And on the offensive end, it just feels like you're getting desperate, you know, not in a good way either. Um, the team for a long time has relied on the quality of their shooters as opposed to the quality of the goals that they're producing or the, goal, the quality of the chances they're generated, generating. And it's coming to bite them, you know, these, these games here as the season progresses on – uh, Toronto's no nobody to scoff at, so you have to just be better as a whole. Can't be leaving guys open. Um, it's it's tough, you know. I know there's been a lot of pessimism around the team, wondering if they're going to be able to make it. And right now, I'd say I don't know, but a big part of me really wants to have hope in that uh, and believe that they're going to be able to keep going and turn things around internally. Uh, Vince Dunn in the post-game press conference, he, Dunn himself seemed a little bit out of things and a, a, a loss for words. Uh, but what he said in, his, in, in one of the first quotes of the night for him uh, was interesting. He said that a lot of guys have been too hard on themselves in this locker room. You have to wonder not only who, but you know why they're doing so. You know, obviously, the month of February has not been kind, but you know those first few months – for Seattle, they really stacked the points and were able to be in a position to not worry about it too much if they hit a skit. They've hit kind of a few skits now. So this is something where, you know, I'd give you more insight. I apologize. I'm running on fumes today. Um, it's got to be internal, right? Uh, Ron Francis talked about the trade deadline. He didn't really seem too set on anything happening, um, but it sounded like his ears were open and he was ready and waiting uh, you know, Ron. So who knows what that could mean for the team? Um, he specifically praised the top nine forwards. So what does that tell you? 
especially with Sprong uh, being a healthy scratch the last few games. So I don't know. This team is in an interesting position. Uh, they've got some decisions to make. As the we're a few days now from the trade deadline, which is crazy. I'm going to say I don't think Seattle ends up getting anything done at the deadline. I don't think they need to, especially not for a rental. Uh, Timo Meyer got traded today or this past day. Uh, you know, you saw the return for Bo Horvat. So I don't know. I'm really interested. I don't think they're going to do anything. It would be nice for them to pick up a defenseman. I don't know what they'd have to give up for that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to have hope that this team's able to turn things around internally uh, and make the postseason. But again, have that realization that this team is ahead of schedule. They're not supposed to go to the playoffs this year uh, in, in Ron Francis's master plan. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. So we don't really have any concrete injury news for you. Um, I have a source that said that Andre Burakovsky, um, the day of the Boston game, said that Berkey was out about three weeks or sooner. So, I mean, obviously there's still some time here, still week to week. Um, but good to have some inf information on Burakovsky. Uh, just considering the you know player that he is to this team, uh, the deal that he signed, obviously, and just his general health as a whole. So you know, uh, we look over to team news, and this one's uh, this one's exciting. I know uh, this one also drew some criticism. I don't have any time or space for that for this. Um, so I, I don't know. I was really I was excited to see this, and I think it works. Uh, so the Kraken announced. A new partnership with the Muckleshoot Tribe of Indians, uh, the Kraken Climate Pledge Arena, and the tribe to uh, announce that they have entered a multi-year partnership that acknowledges the past and celebrates the important contributions that the Muckleshoot Indian Tribe make to the region. The tribe will be the Kraken's first ever Jersey Patch partner. Uh, as you can see in the photos here, I'll cycle them out as we continue out through this. Uh, Jersey Patch partner, and become the first Indian tribe to hold this honor throughout the entirety of the NHL. The Muckleshoot Indian tribe logo will be placed on the right chest of both the Seattle Kraken home and away jerseys and showcased to millions around the world via team platforms and television broadcasts. Uh, Muckleshoot Tribal Chairman Jason Elkins had this to say, the Muckleshoot Indian tribe is proud to begin um, this first of its kind partnership with the Kraken who worked with us from day one to acknowledge that Climate Pledge Arena is located on our entrance to our homeland and to honor our enduring place in the cultural fabric of this region. This joyful day brings with it a sense of hope that our young people will see themselves represented by the team in the heart of Seattle and around the country with our tribe's logo on the front of every Kraken jersey. As part of the partnership, here's some details for you that help. Um, some were concerned that it was, you know, just uh, there was just money exchange, and that's why they're putting the patch on there, uh, money talk sort of thing. Uh, but action by the Kraken is is what you're looking for. And so here's that. There will be additional artwork by uh, will be created at Climate Pledge Arena to celebrate Indigenous people. There will be a community multi-sport court. Uh, that will be built on the Muckleshoot Reservation in partnership with the Muckleshoot Indian Tribe. Uh, and the Kraken will commit to the creation of programs for Indigenous youth as part of its access initiative. 
That last one there is a little vague. I'd like to get more information on that to hear more about that, just to get a better idea of what's actually taking place. Um, but I don't know. I, I, you know, I think it looks good. I think it meshes well. And, you know, the support of the tribe there um, is positive. You know, there was a lot of complaints about it. It could be a lot worse. The Maple Leafs, we just played the Maple Leafs, uh, have a sponsorship with some dairy company. And on this chest, it just says milk. It's just the word milk in cursive. And I think that's hilarious. Um, that That's even a thing. So we'll continue on here uh, to our upcoming for our Kraken. Uh, Seattle sits at a 32 win, 21 loss, six overtime loss record. They sit at fourth in the Pacific Division now at 70 points total for the season. Uh, that's the second wild card spot that they're in, which is the last possible wild card spot, po- last possible playoff spot. I apologize in the conference. Up next for Seattle, they have a three game stretch here this next week, a four game road trip that they're headed out on. February 28th at the St. Louis Blues at a 5 p.m. Pacific time puck drop. March 2nd at the Detroit Red Wings in the first game of a back to back is a 4 p.m. start. And March 3rd at the Columbus Blue Jackets in the second game of that back to back is a 4 p.m. start. So we move on here now to our Oil Reign, who continue to be in their preseason. Uh, they had this friendly match with Club America to really launch the partnership that the Reign, Olympic Lyon, and Club America have uh, to continue to grow the game of women's sports, to continue to grow that. Uh, it was a really interesting trip to see. Um, but nice to see the representation here at Starfire to see how packed of a house it was. Um, it was definitely something that I was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, so, wait a minute, where was I? Oh, yes, sorry. I was just talking about the uh, having the support there at Starfire. Uh, the Club America Ultras, their fan base was really great. As soon as the match started, they threw streamers out on the pitch, and the substitutes for Club America and those on the bench had to go and take them off the field. Um, that was really fun to see. I apologize for forgetting that there. That was really embarrassing. Like I said, I'm running on fumes. We're trying to get this out so it's scheduled and such. Um, we'll get to the friendly match here. Uh, and also with the fact that the rain don't have any other preseason matches or scrimmages set up at this point in time before the regular season begins is really interesting. Uh, so this is a really big proving ground for some players, you know, um, all of the national team players that were just gone for the She Believes Cup, and yes, the She Believes Cup, so Team USA and Team Canada, um, all of them except for Quinn uh, did not participate at all. Quinn did come in as a substitute. They were on the bench um, to begin the match. Uh, but the rest of Quinn's teammates, whether it was Haidema, Team Canada, Emily Sonnet did not dress at all. Uh, we didn't see Alana Cook. We didn't see Sofia Huerta. We did not see Megan Rapino. Um, we did not see Rose Lavelle in this match. So uh, all of those national team players, outside of Quinn, for the players that were in the She Believes Cup, did not participate. Uh, we'll get to the match itself here. Um, we're 25th versus Club America. Our players of the match, I went with two because I couldn't really decide on just the one. I went with Ziara King and Mackenzie Weinert. Um, with those two players, uh, you know, we're doing our photos of the match. 
Uh, we've got two great shots from our photographer that was on site for that match down at Starfire and took Willa, uh, Liz Walter. Liz got this great shot of Mackenzie running to her former University of Washington Husky teammates who were there at Starfire and supporting her. Excuse me. Um, you can see, I just, you know, it's just really cool to see her running up there. Um, uh, to, to, I believe, uh, Chloe Seeloff, uh, University of Washington player is there, uh, in addition to a few others. And then this one by Z, you got the ball on her volley there in this full sort of pose. I, it feels like it's a logo pose almost. Um, uh, but that was the first goal of the match. Uh, oh, I didn't really recap it. But yeah, in that match, um, it was a physical match, honestly. It was, it was a pretty physical match. Uh, Club America got unlucky on a few chances, whether that was their own chances on net um, or the ones that they gave up. Like that one to Z was just a great ball by Veronica Lasko, who was actually playing as an outside back. Um, it was something that uh, her and head coach Laura Harvey had talked about in the offseason. And with the World Cup happening this summer uh, and a bunch of players being out uh, with their respective national teams, projected to be at least um this was something they tried out and the lineup that we saw uh to begin the match is probably what we see to to start uh when those national team players are out uh for the world cup weinert uh she's a non-roster invitation player at the university of washington she was subbed on in the 86th minute so not technically much that she can work with and she was able to score the third goal for the rain and the final one of the, mat the night to really put uh, the rain in control and help them win to launch that partnership that they have um, with Club America. Club America, OO Rain, and Olympic Leone, and that partnership that they have um, to continue to further the growth of women's sports uh, and women's soccer. I know they said women's soccer, but they kind of talked about in the press conferences women's sports as a whole. Uh, so that was a cool match to see again. It's just really interesting to me that the rain don't have any other scheduled preseason matches at this point in time. Um, I imagine that changes. I imagine that changes and we see, see some of those. Uh, we've got a little under a month now until uh, the NWSL regular season opener against Washington, but you'd ideally like to see some, some more matches scheduled for the rain so that they can get more of these actual in-game situations to test the metal uh, some of these players. So, um, no injury news for you, but we do have some exciting team news that is also intriguing. Uh, on the 22nd of the month, oop, I clicked the wrong thing. On the 22nd of the month, the team signed midfielder Luani to a three-year deal. Uh, she was signed to an international roster spot through the 2025 NWSL season, pending the receipt of her P1 visa in the international transfer for certificate. Uh, Luani joins the reign from Jeremio. Uh, FBPA of the Serie A, uh, Serie A1 uh, in exchange for an agreed-upon transfer fee, which included allocation money. Per league and club policy, financial terms of the deal were not disclosed. She's 20 years old. She made seven starts and nine appearances for her club during the 2022 season and scoring three goals, the second most for the club and the youngest player in the league to score at least three goals in the regular season. She's also represented the U20... 
uh, Brazilian national team, as you can see pictured during the 2022 South African Under-20 Women's Football Championship, helping the country win the tournament and qualify for the FIFA U-20 Women's World Cup after appearing in all seven matches with six starts and scoring one goal. Brazil as a whole uh, scored seven, uh, 22 goals without conceding, winning all seven matches. In the FIFA U-20 Women's World Cup, the midfielder started in five of those six matches and helped Brazil finish third for the first time since 2006 after defeating the Netherlands 4-1 for bronze. Uh, the Brazilian side have scored its opponents in the tournament by 10 goals. Prior to uh, joining the U-20 Brazilian national team, the Nova Iguaca RJ native uh, has earned titles during the Brazilian U18 Championship and Cariacua U18 State Championship. This is a it's an interesting move um, for the rain. You know, I'd say it's it's solid. You know, it's a 20 year old, a really talented 20 year old Brazilian midfielder. You've got her locked up for three years. But considering the midfield that you have in Rose Lavelle, uh, in Quinn, in Olivia van der Yacht, you know, to bring Luani on, you know, it's it's it'll be one of those things she did not feature in the match against Club America. Uh, I don't know if that needed to be said, but there you go. Um, it'll be interesting to see even you know, with, with Z and, you know, Heidema top Latsko and Rapino, um, Balser and the forward group, you know, there are, there are a lot of decisions to make on the defensive side of things. You know, you got Sophia Huerta, Alana Cook, Sam Hyatt, Lou Barnes, where does Emily Sonnet fit in? How is she going to be played? Um, I'm sure a lot of players will be able to split time, uh, for load management, you know, and a lot of, a lot of players will get some playing time when it comes to the world cup and those national team players leaving, but no, I'm really interested to see where Luani fits into this, uh, this puzzle. Um, but thankfully that is, uh, for head coach, Laura Harvey and, uh, assistant coach Scott Parkinson to figure out and the rest of their training staff and not me. So, uh, hoping that that all works out in the best case scenario, but excited to have uh, a player of that young caliber like Luani on the squad. If I am butchering that name, please feel free to let me know. And at least please do it civilly. We've had in the past where someone on the show said a, a name once in the quote unquote wrong term or the wrong way. And the guy was like, I'm never watching you again. I'm like, you commented for the first time ever on our show. Dwayne Johnson, I bro. So, you know, uh, moving on here to our Sea Wolves, who moved to two and zero on the season for only the second time in franchise history. The last time they did so was last season when they began the year three and zero. So our last game that the Sea Wolves played was February twenty fourth versus Rugby Atlanta. Only the second time that the teams have actually faced off against each other. It would have been the third, but. Uh, the team's matchup in 2020 was obviously canceled when the rest of the uh, season was canceled due to COVID. Um, and this was the first time that Seattle's been able to beat Atlanta. Um, the Seawolves won that one 28 to 22. Our player of the match was number eight and team captain Rikert Hedding. Hedding, two tries scored, 10 points total, eight tackles made, 135 running meters. 
um, and 10 ball carries. Those last two stats in running meters and ball carries were both tops in the match itself. This was a game uh, you almost could have went with Jordan Scheidt, uh, but, you know, with, with having, you know, the two tries, those two really helped put the game on ice. This was another game where Seattle was uh, happy to accept the points that they got from penalties that Atlanta committed and just just take the safe option, take the points. Uh, you've got some some talented fly halves, you know, Ajala Timu actually uh, leading the all of MLR in points scored last season, being more than capable uh, of scoring those kick conversions. Um, but Chait coming in, uh, he had an 11 kick uh, streak going on, 11 kicks in a row that he had made. Um, six last week, I believe it was, uh, well, in week one. And then in this week, he continued it, and it was like, all right. Uh, but then he had a penalty goal kick, and he missed that a little bit wide. And then after the first heading try, um, his kick clanged off of one of the uh, the uprights. So, I don't know, tough but impressive to note that there, um, you know, the Seals didn't really get to run away with it. They kind of had to stave off a late comeback attempt. Um, but the two tries that Hadding had in the second half really were were what kind of helped put this game to rest, help Seattle, you know, not have to worry about that feverish comeback attempt. Um, and great to see that by their captain, you know. Hadding obviously really important to this team's success uh, as a captain. Uh, you know, second in all of MLR and tries last season. Um, and an impressive game here against Atlanta, you know, leading in running meters, leading in ball carries. I believe he was in the top five in tackles made. He was definitely top two in points total and tries scored. So another uh, solid, solid effort um, by the team captain here. So we have some team news in that win over Atlanta. Uh, Mason Peterson became the 27th player in MLR to appear in 50 matches. Um, as a senior club player, Peterson has played for the Belmont Shore, the San Diego Breakers, the Austin Huns, the Vancouver Row- Rowing Club, uh, and the Austin Gilbronies. Austin does not exist anymore. Uh, so far in Peterson's MLR career, he scored five tries, made 187 ball carries, has 1,078 meters run, 263 tackles, and 503 rock arrivals. Uh, so congratulations to Peterson there. He had, I believe it was like 60, wait, where were we? 50 matches. He was around 47 or so. Um so that was, I don't know, that was pretty cool. Um, forty-seven. Oh yeah, forty-seven before he joined the Sea Wolves. I apologize again. I'm running on fumes. We're gonna try to get through the rest of this here. Uh, but congratulations to Peterson there uh, for becoming another Sea Wolves player now that has hit the fifty match part. Um, we head over to our team record and standings. Seattle is two and zero. For the second time in franchise history, they are third in the Western Conference and third of all of USMLR. Uh, Their next match is March 3rd at the Dallas Shackles, so they head on the road for the first time this season uh, with a kickoff time start of 5.05 p.m. uh, Pacific. So now we head over to our Sea Dragons, who played their home opener at Lumen Field. 
the first time they've played there since 2020. Um, and this was another close, tight, tough game that was ultimately decided by turnovers. Um, our Sea Dragons fell to the St. Louis Battle Hawks on February 23rd, 20 to 18. Our player of the game, wide receiver Jacor Pearson, once again. Pearson again led Seattle in uh, receiving yards on four catches uh, for 78 yards and one touchdown. This was a game. Uh, oh, well, before we do that, we'll do our photo of the match. Uh, photographer Emma Audison was on site for Seattle, Seattle Sports. Uh, this photo of Jordan BC coming out of the tunnel is just so awesome. You know, you got the visor going on. You've got the big logo uh, next to the tunnel. Uh, dude is, you know, it looks good. You know, it was a great, Emma got some great shots um, throughout the entirety of the night. Um, so really happy with that one. Uh, but it, not, not, not so much the game itself. Uh, Seattle for the second week in a row had committed three turnovers. Um, you know, they found some early success, found Josh Gordon, found VC. Uh, I believe they found Blake Jackson as well in the big play. Um, the run game hasn't really been able to break loose, whether it's Brendan Knox or Morgan Ellison. Um, the defense has kind of been here and there. They let up a late field goal as time expired. Uh, so St. Louis was able to take the win. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the offense uh, didn't really take the lead until late, late, late in the match. Um so there are some things that need to be figured out. It was just really interesting to hear as the season drew near and near that people like, oh, Seattle's going to have this, this high-powered offense. They've got Ben DiNucci who's been in the NFL. They've got Josh Gordon. Uh, Pearson's a fast runner. You know, and all those things are pretty true. Uh, ben DiNucci could play better for sure. Um, but, yeah, there are issues all across this roster, and there are only 10 games in the regular season, and Seattle's already played two of them. So things are going to have to turn around quick for the Sea Dragons here as they, you know, look for their first win. Luckily, as they sit in an 0-2 record and they're third in the XFL North Division, they play another uh, winless team when they host when they go down. I apologize to play the Vegas Vipers on March 4th with a kickoff time of 4 p.m. Pacific time. So hoping that. Seattle's able to minimize the turnovers and really just be able to stay smart, uh, play their game, get Josh Gordon the ball more, hopefully run the ball a little bit more. Brennan Knox is a big, strong, bruising guy. He can definitely run some guys over and dish out some punishment. So, you know, hoping we see some of that improvement. Um, and hopefully we don't lose to a winless team. So um, this is where we head over to our star of the week. Um, nothing, I, you know, I wouldn't put either guys who signed extension for the the Seahawks there, the Mariners, nothing too exciting to warrant it. Uh, the storm, I mean, those are all free agents. I, you know, really wouldn't put that in there. Sounders. I mean, you could argue for Jordan Morris. Um, but because of the story, because she's a non roster invitee, because she's a Husky and a not, uh, yeah, she's a Husky. Um, and because of the story, you know, her coming into the 86th minute, 
uh, immediately contributing, you know, the photo of her by our photographer, Liz Walter, celebrating with her friends. I, I had to go with Mackenzie Weiner. Um, you know, Weiner, something that was talked about last season with the rain heavily was their inability to finish. There would be several matches, uh, especially I remember in like late spring, early summer, I want to say, or maybe just kind of the thickest summer where the rain just simply could not finish off their chances. Uh, and they had numerous ones, not like they only had a few here and there. Uh, they had a ton and Weiner was able to really slot this ball through uh, past the keeper at the time, you know, kind of coming in and contributing immediately. This is how you get noticed. Bethany Balser, 2019 Rookie of the Year, 2022 uh, M M NWSL Golden Boot runner-up, uh, was able to make the roster for the rain because she got noticed. You know, she went to a really small school in Michigan. I believe it was Michigan. Um and she made an impact. And that right there by Weiner is an impact immediately. So because of the Utah bias, because of the local bias, um, but just the story as well, and the fact that I didn't think anything else really stacked up to it, uh, makes why we have Mackenzie Weiner as my Seattle Star of the Week. So I apologize for the gaffes that I had um, towards the end of the show. Uh, maybe leaning back too far and getting out of focus. Um, it's been a long weekend. It's been a long weekend. Uh, really busy. We had our Sounders coverage, our Kraken coverage. Woke up late that day. Uh, had to get some other stuff ready. And we've got uh, Oil Rain uh, Media Day today, Monday. So by the time that you are watching this, we will be in the second session for Media Day. So... Uh, until we see you next week in the month of March of 2023, I um, hope you're able to take care of yourself. Make sure, as we're gonna we're gonna make sure you see this again. You follow us on our social medias, Twitter. We're the most active, and we post a ton of different content on Twitter. You'll see just about all the content we post on uh, all of our platforms. The most of it goes on the Twitter. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, whatever is easiest for you. Or if you want to support us as the only real outlet that covers every single professional sport in the city, every professional sports team in the city of Seattle, um, all in one spot, all in the same way that we cover each team. If you want that, you want to be the one-stop shop, you follow us. If you want coverage of the minor league teams, uh, the affiliates of our our Mariners or our Kraken or our Sounders or the semi-pro teams that play. I'm looking at my Ballard FC, my jersey right over there, the Brothers one. Then you follow us on CSS Futures, uh, which is, you know, the inst the Facebook is the same. We're going to put all this, the CSS Futures stuff on the Facebook, the same, uh, certainly South Sports Facebook. But the Twitter and Instagram are different. So make sure that you're following us down there. Um I know that we've got a lot of exciting stuff going on here at Converge, uh, some stuff that Circling Seattle Sports was involved with. But, um, yeah, just uh, blessed every day. But, you know, just always trying to work to make sure that no one does what we do here at Circling Seattle Sports. Um, and we give these teams, every single one of them, the justice that they deserve coverage-wise. So until we see you next week, take care of yourselves, be well, um, make the most of the moments that life gives you on a day-to-day -day basis and um, do whatever you can to make today, whether that's you're watching this on Monday, Tuesday, make it a great day.
Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.